audience, and welcome back to Popcorn Prattle. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Marcus Sally, executive producer of Shenanigans Incorporated and one of the co-creators of Popcorn Prattle. If this is your first time listening to our show, welcome. We are but a humble film talk podcast that likes talking about movies, not in a pretentious way, but as if you were talking about it with your best good buddies. And of course, I am joined by my best good buddies. First up, you know him, you love him. It's the man, the myth, the legend. It's Mr. Stephen Bailey. Stephen, say hi to the folks at home. Hi, folks at home. And of course, you know her, you love her. She's the ever so lovely, the ever so talented Miss... Wait. Wait, what? Stephen, is is Lindley here? No, she's not. Oh. She's gone. She had to leave. Oh, geez. Um, uh, okay. She had work or something. Oh, uh, this is awkward. Um, because you know, it can't just be two dudes on the show anymore. Like we, it's, it's, it's uh, women's history okay. month. We have, hang on. Okay. Um, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm going through my contacts. All right. Hold on. Okay. All right. Just, 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 just hold on. Oh, ooh. wait, hold on. This, 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 this one might work. Okay. All right. So it, it's dialing. It's dialing. All right. All right. Are you calling the spoop hour? New phone, yes. who dis? Hey, oh. hey, I'm going to patch you through to Marcus. He's better at these conversations than me. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much, Courtney. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Courtney from the spoop hour. Ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause for Courtney. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk movies in a non-pretentious way. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> audience tonight... Um, Lindley, unfortunately, does have to work, uh, but it is okay, because we are still joined by yet another female host, um, and Courtney is going to tell us a little bit about the Spoop Hour before we continue, so uh, Courtney, introduce yourself, tell the audience uh, a little bit about your show and where they can listen to it. Absolutely. So I am Courtney, as the introduction would imply. I am one half of the hosts for Spoop Hour. We are a paranormal comedy podcast. Basically, my co-host Sasha and I each week take a look at something that scares us. Spoiler alert, it's everything. And then we laugh through our fear by making fun of ghosts, cryptids, and anything that gives you the shiver up your spine. Nice, nice. And the, and they got to, uh, they actually read one of my stories, which is how, just how I met them. We did. Um, yes. And I was very And excited. it's a good story. <laughs> I was, so we do this thing on Spoop Hour when we get stories where only one of us will read them so that when we react on air, the other person's reaction is authentic because they're hearing it for the first time. And as I mentioned, we are genuinely terrified of existence. So in the case of your story, Sasha read it. So I did not know it going in. I skimmed it very briefly just to see, oh, this is, this looks great. This is going to be perfect. And then it was very upsetting. So thank you for ruining my life. Oh, it's no problem. It's it's what I'm good at. Just ask Steven. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> horror. Horror. Sounds like Steven has some stories about you to submit to Spoop Hour. Oh, he might. He might actually. I might. <laughs> he's got he's got a couple of good uh he's got a couple of good stories on YouTube with um Bloody Mary that involves me. Oh. That my students yeah. love my students love watching cuz I look like an idiot and Steven looks like the <laughs> hero, but it's all subjective. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Clever editing of those one take films. Exactly. One shot, one take films. <laughs> 
amazing. Oh, goodness. Audience, we're laughing. We're having a good time, and we're going to keep the good times rolling. Here are tonight's slate of topics. Uh, first up, you've probably heard it all over the internet. The Everyone's talking about it. It's all a buzz. It's about this movie called Veronica. If you haven't seen Veronica yet, I urge you to pause, watch it, be scared or don't be scared, uh, and then come back and get our reaction because we're going to give you guys our take on the movie Veronica. Uh, and then after we watch, for after we talk about Veronica, we're actually going to talk about uh, do scary movies need to be based on true stories in order to be scary? And we'll end with what makes a successful scary story. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Popcorn Prattle meets the Spoop Hour. Uh, and we are so excited to have this uh, collaborative episode. But before we continue, uh, just a couple of brief, brief announcements. Uh, first up, if you find that you really enjoy this show when you're like, huh, those Popcorn Prattle guys are all right. Uh, they bring on great guests. They they are very funny. They're very witty. And of course, they talk about movies, not in a pretentious way, but as if I'm right there with them as their best good buddy. I know. That's exactly what you said. Uh, you can listen to us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We're now on Spotify. You can literally find us anywhere. So there's no excuse on why you shouldn't go. Subscribe, leave us a review, give us some stars, go tell your friends about us, and let them know that Popcorn Prattle is the film talk podcast on the internet to listen to. Now, Lindley's not here, but I would be remiss if I did not uh, mention uh, the Stardust app. If you don't know what the Stardust app is, the Stardust app is this nifty, nifty new program where you can give your reactions to movies, TV shows, and trailers um, all from the comforts of your phone. Lindley is on there. She is our Stardust app ambassador. We are not getting paid by the Stardust app to to say this, but it is a wonderful app. Go there, check it out, find Lindley Key, uh, follow her. I think she's up to like probably 3K subscribers by now. Um, she's blowing up. And of course, she has some great reactions on there. So if you really miss Lindley, that's where you need to go see her. Um, and I guess I'll advertise this even though I ain't happy about it. Our March movie madness, as March comes to a close, is also ending. Um, we are in the finals, and Lindley's picks are the only picks that survived the onslaught. Uh, I was eliminated in the last round. Steven was eliminated uh, in the round before then. So now it is all Lindley. I don't know what she plans on making the stipulation for next year to be, but I am scared. Slash excited for next year's uh, March movie madness. So if you want to vote for uh, Lindley's picks between uh, Beauty and the Beast and The Empire Strikes Back, if you want to vote for those, um, for, sorry, for either one of those, follow the link in the description box and you can see which one is going to be Popcorn Prattle's March movie madness tournament winner. All right. That was a lot. But I got through it, and now we can prattle. So, Courtney, Stephen, yes. are you ready? Absolutely. Yes. Guys, let's prattle. So, before we started 
the episode, before we even started recording, uh, we, we, we asked Courtney what is something that is a bit of a pet peeve for her uh, in, the, in the world of cinema slash uh, scary movies or scary stories. And she seems to have stumbled upon a nugget that is also near and dear to Stephen's heart. Uh, Courtney, do you want to tell the audience what it was that bothers you, that's grinding your gears right now? Shaky cam really grates my cheese. I hate it. It's garbage. And you don't need it. Buy a tripod. They're not expensive. You probably have Amazon Prime. It could get to you in two days. Yes. <laughs> I Can I just say, I'm not as offended by shaky cam as, as you two are. I, I don't, like, I, I, it does bother me a little bit. But I feel like, especially with Steven, I feel like there's, like, a, a burning hatred for shaky cam. I mean, <laughs> I now have a question for you, Marcus, as a follow-up. How does it feel to be completely wrong? Because shaky cam is the worst. <laughs> yep. I... It, Go ahead. I was, I, we were talking about it before we started recording, but I, in high school, took a film study class and I went to see with my high school best friend the mm. movie Spider-Man 3. And in the middle of all of the action and terribleness that was Spider-Man 3, there is a scene in which uh, Quicksand is just standing next to a truck. And for some reason, the camera was so violently shaking and I foolishly saw it in IMAX that I was like, I'm going to barf <laughs> on everyone. So we leave the movie at the end of the movie, like you do when you watch a movie. And I turn to my friend and I'm like, I will never be over. That was terrible. They tried to do too much. And instead they made everything horrible. They could have made a movie about this instead. And I would have liked it. And then there was that stupid shaky cam and everything was garbage. And she just looked at me and she goes, I think taking film study ruins movies. And I'm like, no, shaky cam ruined the movie. I'm just the observer. <laughs> Stephen, what are what are your thoughts on Shaggy Cam? I mean, we have it on record, but I would like to know. <laughs> I, I love hearing you vent about Shaggy Cam. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I've uh, I've said it elsewhere. Where you know there are times when Shaky Cam is absolutely um, an effective you know cinematic tool, uh, but all too often it's used in all the wrong ways. It's um, Gosh, you know, it's whether it's oh, we just didn't really feel like setting up the camera rig or whatever, uh, or uh, if we think it's going to make us look edgy and artsy, <laughs> um, which, by the way, it doesn't. It doesn't. It just makes you look like an ass because uh, you're giving me a headache. And it doesn't it, I mean, it doesn't add to the urgency of the act. If it's like an action scene, mm -hmm. it does not add to the urgency. Um uh, I, gosh, you know, I, I just, oh man. Yeah. I think you're right. This is one of those topics that really, really gets me really burning. Just, <laughs> just angry because every movie uses it now. Even animated yeah. movies are using it now. Yeah, they are. And it's yeah. like, what? It's like, no. <laughs> I will say a minor thing that grates my cheese now that you've brought up animated movies. I am sad that hand-drawn anima animation is going the way of the dinosaur. I love hand drawn uh, animation. Uh, uh, now see that so many soulless 100 dead CGI agree. eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. 
that's yeah. a, a we could really just run with that topic for i could run with that for hours we um, <laughs> yeah no it's so sad because you know disney um you know the pioneers of the animated film they don't they don't do them anymore mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah I think, uh, what was it, uh, The Princess and the Frog either didn't yes. make as much money at the box office or whatever. And so they've just thrown all their eggs into CGI, mm-hmm. and it's just into the basket that is CGI. And I'm not necessarily complaining. They've made some really good movies. It's just when, I mean, you just don't get to see that hand-drawn stuff. You know, CG is great, but when it's all there is, mm-hmm. right. um, and, you know... You know, I am actually working on an animated film right now. Um, plug, 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 plug. But um, <laughs> just kind of relearning that process and kind of, you know, what the greats had to do. It's kind of like, you know, when you watch an animated film and it's done really well, you can see the love and the hard work that, you know, the filmmakers put into it mm-hmm. um, with each and every frame. With computer animation, it's way easier. It's like night and day easier now um because i mean once you model the character in a computer all you got to do is just you know put them in a in a scene animate them a little bit which is nowhere near as hard as drawing it by hand um you know do some lighting and there you go Uh as Uh long as you got a good computer and a couple hours to render a shot boom you're in business Uh but i mean yeah i yes i really miss animated films hand-drawn animated films yeah for me Obviously, when it's done well, CGI animation is amazing. But for every well-done CGI animated, like, Toy Story 3 we get, you get five much lesser, cheaped out on the CGI, looks like a bad Saturday morning cartoon feature-length movie. Mm. And that... The emoji movie. Exactly. (laughs) Why did that happen? I love emojis. They don't need a movie. They're fine (laughs) how they are. (laughs) I personally, I, um, I, I, I completely agree. I get reminded about how much I used, I love, uh, hand-drawn animation when I watch old school anime and I look, yes. and I look at some of the things and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And I'll watch, and I'll watch the new stuff and, you know, and like you said, like you'll get, you'll get those, those shows or those movies where it works. The CGI works, and it looks really cool, and you sit there, and you're like, you know what? Uh, You couldn't really have done that with hand-drawn, or it wouldn't have looked quite as cool. But there's just something about that old-school feel um, that just kind of takes you back, and and it's – to me, it it feels grittier, you know? It makes you feel like you're watching – you're not just watching a a cartoon. You're you're watching a movie, you know? Right. I think it kind of you kind of just feel it more because it feels more grounded in reality because mm-hmm. it's not all built in a synthetic computerscape. Instead, it's just like someone actually took a pencil and had to make this. Like in Howl's Moving Castle, the scene where Howl's laying in bed refusing to go see the king, and that backdrop wall, which one yeah. of our roommates, um, she is a she's an artist, and she's just like, if I had to animate that, I would cry. But it's incredible. <laughs> There's just so much detail, and you see everything, and you feel everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's almost like if you could, you could reach out and actually touch what you're seeing. You could right. touch the painting. You could yeah. touch the animation cells. But you can't do that with, an, with a CG movie. You could reach out and touch a computer screen with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's just kind of... It's not yeah. the same. Yeah. 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 Almost definitely. In short, everything to... is terrible. <laughs> yeah. If I wanted to touch a screen, Hollywood... I would just look at my iPhone. <laughs> Speaking of which, did y'all hear that Colin Trevorrow will be directing Jurassic World 3? I'm touching my iPhone and just found that out. Oh. There we go. Oh. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't know. Jurassic World 1 and I had some had some issues. It knows what it did. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It's fine. <laughs> Before we spin down the rabbit hole any <laughs> anymore, because <laughs> I know what? I you mean we're not going to talk about our favorite wines? <laughs> Come on, no. I <laughs> because I will we say it turns out I have a lot more strong feelings about things I don't like in movies than I thought. Apparently, I <laughs> she was because audience. She was struggling to find find something to 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 vent about, but no, that was. I did say I have a deep well of saltiness in my soul, and I told you I could just dredge it up for anything, and here we are. You, exactly. Now I'm just salty. <laughs> well, let's let's see just how salty or maybe not so salty you were about the movie Veronica. Now, audience, if you know nothing about this movie, allow me to explain. Uh, So this movie, Veronica, was based off of um, a police report um, back in 1991 uh, where this young girl, Estefania, um, I'm not going to try to butcher the rest of her name, um, but Estefania was found dead. Uh, after using a Ouija board. Apparently, she got very involved with the occult. Um, Strange things started happening around her, and then they made the movie Veronica. Uh, Within the movie Veronica, you have a young girl, um, 15 years old, who is attempting to use a Ouija board to talk to her uh, deceased father. And when the seance is going... Unfortunately, what happens is uh, Veronica becomes possessed by a demon. Strange things start happening to her over the course of three days. And after three days passes, she dies. Um, And you find this out pretty early on um, that something bad has happened to her and her family and that um, most likely she's dead. Uh, But apparently, according to the internet, this is the scariest movie on Netflix in the world, dare say, dare I say. Um, People have been said, people have stated like they weren't even able to get past the uh, the first, what, 20 minutes, I think they said, um, before they had to turn before they had to turn it off. Yeah. Now, there are two camps. (laughs) There are camps that say they can't get past it um, and that's because it's too scary. And then the other camp says, um, well, I guess there's three camps. Another camp says it's okay. It's not the best scary movie, but, you know, it's not the worst. And then there's a camp that just says I turned it off after 20 minutes because I thought it was dumb. (laughs) So. What we decided to do um, in honor of the Spoop Hour joining us on this show, and especially since it is uh, it is related on uh, to true events, let's find out 
what did we all think of the movie Veronica? Um, I will, I will wait because I, I did that huge introduction. I would actually like our guests to go first um, to see if we can dip into that well of salt again. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what did, you, what did you think, Courtney? I bear no salt towards this movie. Nice. Nice. Um, I will have to speak for Sasha because unfortunately she couldn't be here, but she did watch this movie. And again, I mentioned at the beginning, I cannot emphasize enough how much of wusses Sasha and I are. We are very frightened very easily. Mm. And so going into this, we were both so afraid. We turned on all the lights in our house. We agreed to watch it at 11 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Just so that we were like, we have enough time to get it out of our heads before we have to try to sleep that night. We both invited our boyfriends over so that we had people to comfort us and both of them handle (laughs) horror movies better than us. Like, we were prepared. We made a bingo game so we could laugh at ourselves when we got scared instead of just being scared. And then we put on Veronica. And honestly, it mostly made us thoughtful rather than making us afraid. Which is why I'm surprised people couldn't get past the first 20 minutes in terms of spookiness. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, again, we had all the lights on in our house. It was daytime. So in a spookier environment, if we had each watched it on our own in the dark, it might be a different story. Mm -hmm. But for us, we were watching it, and I think it was Sasha commented first that it really felt more like a psychological family drama. Mm. And we were joking that there's a cut of this movie that could be made where it's just about putting too much pressure on a teenage girl to be another mother in a single parent situation and the toll that it takes on her. Yeah. And we were, we got about halfway through the movie and we're like, this isn't so bad. We're doing okay. This is fine. Mm -hmm. And that was when I commented, you know, we're probably going to get 20 minutes from the end. And that is when (laughs) everything is going to be horrible. And, Sure enough, once all the scariness started, we did hit pause just to see where we were, and it was like 22 minutes from the end. (laughs) And that was when um, Sasha hid her face behind a pillow. Mm -hmm. I was clutching a pillow to my face and making a Tina Belcher noise of distress. And it just got, got real rough for us real quickly. Yeah. But for most of it, we were actually, we handled it okay. I don't think it's the scariest horror movie ever made. It's not even the scariest horror movie I've seen, and I am a weenie. <laughs> but I think it is very well done. It was beautifully shot. And oh, yeah. And again, as a family drama, we really enjoyed it. Like, there's, mm-hmm. it's it's a teenage girl who's having to do so much, and she just wants some comfort from her dad, mm-hmm. who made paella. Yeah. Yeah, because isn't that what we all want in the end? I mean, obviously, there's a dad who makes paella who is alive still and not naked and dead at the foot of our bed. Um, (laughs) We did. There was a part in the middle where we were both screaming at the screen, and our boyfriends were just puzzled. Mm -hmm. Um, Can Can I do spoilers or no? Uh, well, I said it at the beginning of the show that they should have stopped if they don't want to hear this. So yes, go ahead. You don't want spoilers. Go ahead and mute me. But where the the younger siblings start climbing on her and trying to eat her, we were we just started yelling. And then Antonito got into it, and we loved Antonito. We were like, Antonito, no, you're better than this. And we were full on screaming at our TV. <laughs> so that got us. Yeah. Um, so we loved Antonito. We loved Sister Death, who is metal and 
that's who I want to be when I grow up, if I don't have to be a nun. You, you want... And <laughs> Sister Death was awesome. You want to be a blind woman who sees evil things? She was baller. And you will never convince <laughs> me otherwise. Okay. All like, right. Sister Death knew what was up. She was down there. She was smoking. She's like, hey, teenager, you want a cigarette? And it's like, dang, Sister Death. she was incredible she is my hero we loved her we were waiting for something bad to happen to her in the scene where veronica goes oh yeah like what's happening to me and she's like they're here don't bring god into this which Mm. was also a baller line because sister death knows what's up and we were waiting for something bad to happen to her but you know again nothing nothing happened it sort of built a lot of tension that was only brought to a point at the end because she gave her younger brother who can't read the book about what sigils to draw. Right. Don't do that. Never do that. Yeah. yeah. yeah bad idea. Yeah. So those are general thoughts. Again, mostly we just thought it was a thoughtful family drama. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Steven, what about you, man? So there were things I really enjoyed about the movie. Um, but I do have to say that it was advertised to me uh, exactly the way you were describing it as the movie that is so scary, people cannot even finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, the scariest movie on Netflix, scariest movie in the world. So I was like, OK. So when I started watching it, um, I immediately had very, um, I guess, pessimistic thoughts about it because it started using a lot of the same tropes uh, that we see in so many horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since, you know, I mean, think about how many horror movies we've seen where the ghost slash demon slashed the big boo haunted house villain uh, comes in because someone uses a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I'm such an analytical person that I just like, like, really, guys? The Ouija board? I mean, are we really still going with this whole Milton Bradley made a deal with Satan or something? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, that, that, those sorts of things always kind of take it, take me out of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I mean, there was a lot of really good atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I really loved the setting. I loved that it, uh you know focused on um this girl trying to be there for her siblings uh when her mom isn't i thought that was a very unique uh angle to kind of play um because all too often in horror movies you know the main character is just not that interesting sure um they're just kind of there they're given like some lip service about a tragic backstory and they never smile Mm -hmm. they never do anything Uh, But here it felt like she had a story um, before, you know, the ghost stuff starts happening. Mm -hmm. So I did appreciate that. Um, All in all, I'd give it probably a 7 out of 10, personally. Mm -hmm. It really didn't scare me that much. Mm -hmm. um, Though it did have some, you know, really good atmosphere, really good scary Mm -hmm. moments. And, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. Yeah. I, um... I, I let me I'll start off with this. I hate and not in a bad way, but like it legitimately scares me. Um demonic possession <laughs> stories. Oh. Like okay. I like I cannot oh. I can't do 
demonic possession like some of the scariest even um uh, what was it there was something recently that i saw um it was like a tv oh it was um it was a uh american horror story and it's uh season two and if you haven't seen season two what's wrong with you it's on netflix um (laughs) go watch that after you watch veronica um it's all about like part of the part of the season is about this nun who gets possessed by the devil and it is i don't know what it is about um about uh uh demonic possession but it just scares the crap out of me um so i went into this already kind of nervous <laughs> because i knew that she was going to get possessed at some point and i knew that she was going to start attacking people or attacking herself or whatever so i was like the bad things are about to happen um i'm actually not as taken aback with the ouija board um because and this is this is a cool story that I would love to say on the spoop hour. Um, my, Please tell us. My mom and my aunt actually uh, played with a Ouija board and something came out of it. Ooh. When they were, we were living in San Diego and according to my mom, she and my aunt were playing with the Ouija board and she saw something go behind her. And she calls my dad because my dad was, uh, he was in the Navy at the time. And she calls my dad and he doesn't answer. So she goes over to, um, she goes in the living room and he's passed out. So she, the figure, whatever it was, went past her and went to my room, like went towards my room. And apparently she said that she went towards my room and she saw like this figure standing in the doorway. And then when she got close enough, it disappeared. And that story has stuck with me for, and that's probably why I, I don't like <laughs> demonic possession stories. Cause I'm like, you probably let a demon out of the Ouija board and then <laughs> Did you she say goodbye. I, I hope so. You Otherwise it's still goodbye. following me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, or I'm going to, you know, the demons kind of finally possess me and I'm going to kill Steven. Um, <laughs> Marcus, Marcus, listen, next time you find yourself in that situation, just remember is you know as long as you don't hear the following chant um you're fine but when you hear this chant run it goes like this <laughs> indeed if i if i ever hear that steven i will be sure to run the other way um <laughs> yeah. i uh but don't go into the light that's bad right See, I, I took no issue. Sorry, um, I took no issue with the Ouija board plotline because it is based on a true story, and that is the justification they gave. They were like, "Oh, she got you know possessed by something because she had been playing with a Ouija board." Right. And it was in the early '90s, so it was peak satanic panic time when everybody was afraid of everything to do with the devil because there was the daycare yeah. that was clearly worshiping the devil, even though it wasn't. Children are just pliable and. So in a very Catholic country like Spain, where demons are very Mm -hmm. real and they do genuinely do exorcisms, for a young girl to, say, commit suicide, which is a cardinal sin, it would be an easier justification to say, well, she did a Ouija board with her friends. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. was clearly demonic influence. Right. So I take no issue with the Ouija board as the yeah. excuse because, again, it's, that's parts from the police report. Yeah. 
I um I but I I really I actually like this movie. Um I did too. I didn't think it was I didn't I definitely didn't think it was the scariest. It was to me it was very reminiscent of um The Exorcist where there's a lot there's a lot of great build up to the moment when she tries to um when she realizes what she has to do in order to exercise the demon. Um it's, and it's similar to what happens in The Exorcist where there's a lot of build up to, you know, finding out what's wrong with Reagan, you know, getting the priest involved, finding uh finding a priest to actually perform the exorcism and then having that battle with the with the demon. Um and again, I I felt I felt that same uh, that same kind of um, like going up the the roller coaster of this film, same way I did with The Exorcist. Um, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting, like how they ended it, um, where they didn't flat out say that she was indeed possessed by a demon. Mm-hmm. That it could have very well to have just been her freaking out like you said like it could have just been her dealing with the pressures of having to be a mother to her mm-hmm. her siblings and her mom not really you know giving her the support that she needed at the time as she's trying to figure out as she's stepping into into womanhood essentially mm-hmm. um and also dealing with the death of her dad um i i would probably give this the same as Steven, probably a seven out of 10. I would definitely recommend it to people to watch. Um, but I'm not going to say that it is the scariest movie that I have ever seen. Um, <laughs> once, I mean, seriously, once, once I got, once we got past the, uh, the Ouija board stuff and it was just solely about like the, this shadowy figure showing up around the, around her and whatnot. Um, I was fine. I was like, okay, now I, now I'm invested. I'm invested in the story as far as like, is she seeing things or is this actually uh, demonic possession? So, um, yeah, I I have to say though, it made me it made me question whether or not scary movies have to be based on true stories in order to be scary. Because I watch, um, the last scary movie that I saw that was really good was The Conjuring. And that's based off of a true story, or based off true events. Um, and I, I, I mean, I'm, I was, like, terrified of it. I was like, this is really good. Um, it's building up suspense very well. But at the same breath, I've also seen Insidious. And Insidious is pretty scary to me. Um, so I, so my question, my question to you two, um, that we, we, that I would like to discuss is do scary movies need to be based on true stories in order to be scary? Because that seems to be more and more of the trend, especially after the conjuring. What do you think? Personally, I think you can tell a very compelling story that isn't based on a true story. Mm-hmm. I think there is an element added when it is based on a true story, but I I personally don't believe in ghosts. I'm 
I think the world would be more interesting if they were real. <laughs> I'm not 100% on them. Mm-hmm. I'm not like Sasha, who is all in on ghosts. But for me, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Because what I see based on a true story like this, I'm like, okay, on the one hand, this is scarier because this is genuinely something that happened to someone, which means it could happen to me, and I'm afraid. But on the other hand, I'm like... Well, it's based on a true story. They probably took a lot of liberties. This is probably just a horrible crime that they're explaining some other way. And it's easier to blame a spooky monster than to blame like a human person. Mm -hmm. And I think there are some very good recent horror movies based on fiction that aren't based on anything. Um, I, like I said, I don't watch a ton of horror movies because they very much scare me. But I did see It Follows a few years ago. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw and, that when it was on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, I would say scarier than Veronica. Hands down. Oh, yeah. One, no question. Oh, yeah. Most 1, definitely. 1,000% scarier. It is unsettling. It lingers with you. It makes you <laughs> not able to sleep at night for about a week in my personal experience. It's fine. Um, but that was... A really good story mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. not based on this genuinely happened to someone. It was just something that they took elements from other horror m- movies and other urban legend type stories. Mm-hmm. And so they took the general feel of what makes a compelling spooky urban legend. So it's this teenager. It's, you know, they're participating in something that maybe they shouldn't be. And now it has unforeseen consequences and it's going to kill them. So they got to keep running. And I think, for me, that was a lot scarier mm-hmm. than Veronica, which I still maintain. It, I like it. I recommend people watch it. I think Sasha would do the same. But it's not... I wouldn't classify it as a horror movie. Right. Right. So, that's my perspective. <laughs> Stephen, what about what about you? Ooh, this is such a loaded question. Um, <laughs> and, and especially since... I sorry, if I, if I may... Yeah. If I may... Uh, if I may before you start speaking uh audience Stephen, actually if you haven't checked out bailey's workshop you need to because uh steven steven has a number of different films um that get progressively better and better and better as as he gets more experience um but your your scary movies are quite scary um to me and I and I really do feel like, you know, I mean, these aren't based. Obviously, they're not based on true stories. And yet you're able to capture um, just how scary life can be within them. Um, so I'm really in, so I'm really interested in what you what you would think about a scary story, a scary movie having to have that based on a true based on true events type feel. Well, Okay, so I'm gl- thank you for bringing up my channel, actually. Um, yes, I do make um, a lot of uh, short horror films. Uh, but there is one in particular I wanted to talk about. Um, and it was, I think, um, one of my more recent ones uh, was Nightmare of the Masked Lady. That one actually is based off of a true story. Um, when I was a little kid, I had that nightmare where I kept waking up and there was the masked lady... And then, you know, she just, it was just so unnerving the way she would look at you, uh, the way she would look at me that I kept like, you know, blinking my eyes to force myself uh, to wake up. Um, But uh, in the dream, I cut myself somehow. I like brushed my arm up against a sharp knife or something just laying there. Mm -hmm. And when I woke up, I had a cut mark across my arm. Now, 
I mean, he probably dragged it across like a sharp edge of the bed or something. But in the mind of a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, you know, that is like great material. Because, I mean, it's like you don't know. Um, and so I really played with that in that film. So, I mean, I think I, I, I agree with uh, something you said, Courtney. Um, having it be based on a real real events or inspired by a true story can definitely lend itself to a little bit of an extra creep factor, but I don't think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, full, uh, full admission here. Every once in a blue moon, when I get especially bored, I will venture into the dark part of YouTube. Uh, <laughs> and what I mean by that is finding the most, why would anyone watch that kind of videos? Like, Okay, one video I stumbled across. I, I think I was looking up. Um, uh, I was looking up like nine one one phone calls because uh, I was doing some research on a story I was writing, hmm. uh, and I found a video. I think it was titled uh, "Top Five Most Disturbing Nine One One Calls." And I was like, "Who?" So uh, now that one was genuinely creepy because it like starts out with this really terrifying. Uh, this woman like calls and she's like. There was a man standing outside just looking at my house. He's been there for a few hours. And the dispatcher's like carrying on a conversation with her. And eventually the dispatcher's like, uh, is he still there? And she's like, let me go check. She looks out the window. She's like, okay, I don't see him anymore. Mm -hmm. And they carry on the conversation for like 10 more seconds before the woman just starts screaming uncontrollably and then hangs up. And it's like. It's like it was so unnerving to listen to. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a moment in Veronica at the very beginning when you hear uh, the police. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It really reminded me of that. And, you know, I, I I couldn't finish watching the disturbing 911 video calls because I was like, this is these are, <laughs> this, these are real people. I can't do this. Yeah. this is right, right. Um, th this just feels a little insensitive to even, uh, for mm -hmm. to have even put that up, but right. That's what gets um, me. Sorry. That's what gets me about 911 calls because yeah. even if it's not creepy subject matter, even if it's not like, I think there's a ghost in my house, it's the worst moment of someone's life mm -hmm. and you yeah. are listening to them panicking yeah. Right. and just to be a human person and listening to another person going through that is very unsettling and very scary. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it was, um, what I think really ultimately makes for a good horror movie mm -hmm. is one that tries something different. And unfortunately, um, most movie, most horror movies that I feel try to do something different nowadays, all they do is subvert tropes. Um, there's a really good movie that I don't consider scary at all, um, but uh, I thought was a very observant film, hmm. uh, Scream 4, mm. weirdly enough, um, in which they pointed out that, you know, surprising and shocking is the new cliche. Um, and it's so true. And I mean, that movie came out like, what, seven years ago, eight years ago? Mm. And it's still true. A lot of horror movies... Um, they just try to shock you by subverting tropes, but it's like the very act of subverting tropes um, is in itself a cliche now. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I mean, if there was probably a time when that was okay, but I just feel like, you know, 
get away from tropes altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the best movies of any genre are the ones that don't just stick to that one specific genre. Mm-hmm. Um, like the best comedies, you know, there's always, you could almost categorize it as a different comedy too. Like maybe it's an action movie or a, a thriller, but it's also a comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it's just, you know, there's so many variables and I feel like with horror, you know, we could get, there's different genres of horror, but I feel like, you know, give us, give us characters we can care about, um, you know, show them having fun and not just like, you know, lip service, laughing at something that wasn't funny, um, you know, really make us feel invested in them so we can root for them mm-hmm. uh, whenever whatever demonic force is coming after them. Right. Um, do new things. Because um, I feel like, you know, the movie that really successfully does that is a good uh, the one that can um, make me terrified to go to sleep at night. I think that's a good horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um a movie that I I wouldn't really consider to be you know edge of your seat scary by today's standards, uh, but definitely at the time when I first watched it was uh, Signs. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie, you know, watching it in theaters had a really good time because you know it actually has a lot of comedy in it. Right. Um, before they get to the scary stuff. My family and, says I mean, that sounds made up all the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Just that sounds made up. All the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it but it really worked because, you know, aside from a few jump scares in the theater, we left being like, that was a pretty good, fun movie. I had a fun time. Oh, yeah. That night, when I tried to go to sleep, suddenly every noise in the house mm-hmm. was an alien trying to break in. And daggummit, I could not fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think, you know, I'd, and another thing, too, I think I've said this before. Whenever a movie says it's based on a true story, I get a little apprehensive because when I was a kid, you know, there was the famous story of Michael Jordan and how he, you know, retired from basketball and tried baseball, but it didn't work out. So he went back to basketball. And so, but I knew like movies based on true stories could fabricate things too. So when Space Jam came out, I was a little (laughs) confused and wondering like, wait a minute, could you say Space Jam is based on a true story? Because... Everything in Space Jam is 100% accurate. <laughs> that really happened to him. He yes. had to play basketball with the Looney Tunes against some aliens. So, <laughs> exactly. Based on a true story, 100%. Eh, based in quotes right. on a true story. <laughs> right. Like, what was that? Mike and Dave need wedding dates? Um, I think uh-huh. it came out like last year. <laughs> and that's based on a true story because there were these two dudes who put a Craigslist ad out for wedding dates. Literally everything else in the movie is completely not accurate. It has nothing to do with what actually happened. They, I think they ended up going with two very nice young ladies to the wedding, whatever. But everything else in the movie was just the invention of whatever comedy writer was writing. Right, right. So, but they could still say it's based on a true story because someone did take out a Craigslist ad for a date to a wedding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. Well, you know, yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night could be considered based on a true story. Uh, Silent Deadly Night 2, because, you know, a man does take out his garbage, and that is something that happened. That's true. I've known at least one man to take out garbage. Yes. <laughs> so it's probably based on him. Oh. 
Ooh. I'll ask him about it if he if he had any say in the film. Yes, <laughs> I hope he got his, he got the life rights uh, royalties. I mean, he he doesn't have any like legal representation, so he probably signed away everything. Oh, so he doesn't man. see anything. In and royalties. it was and it was I think the early nineties too. So eh, yeah, people weren't as careful back time. then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Michael Jordan was playing basketball with aliens. It was it was a time. Yeah. <laughs> Had to be there, kids. Had to be there. <laughs> Only 90 kids. 90s kids know. Yep. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> I, I... Personally, I don't feel like they... A scary movie has to be based on a true story. Um, I think you guys, you both of you kind of hit the nails right on the head when you say, you know, it's... It's the story that you're telling. That's really what's the most important thing, mm-hmm. um, regardless of whether or not it is a true story. Um, uh, every year around this time, uh, we, my colleague and I, we do a uh, Alfred Hitchcock film project where the kids develop movies in the style of Alfred, an Alfred Hitchcock film. And we watch, and we watch two. We watch Rear Window, and we watch um, Strangers on a Train. And towards the end of the year when there really is... Like there's, I can't teach anything because they're done with learning. It's you know basically kill time before testing, um, and before exams. And it, I don't know what it is, but the birds gets creepier and creepier to me every time I watch it. <laughs> and it's because they do a great job of just having these long stretches of just no music. There's nothing but like the atmosphere. Um, probably one of the most terrifying scenes in the birds is when uh, Melanie is sitting outside of the school and you just see yes. one bird. She's smoking a cigarette and the kids are singing their little nursery rhyme. And there's like one bird, mm-hmm. two birds. And like occasionally the camera goes over to the jungle gym and you get like, you know, like a couple of cup, just a couple of birds. And then. She finally watches one bird fly over to the jungle gym, lands on it, and there are hundreds of birds. And it is the most terrifying thing in the world. I I mean, my colleague is afraid of the birds. I'm pretty sure I could, if I think about it, I can probably name a a couple of different people who are afraid of the birds. And I am convinced that it's because of that one section because immediately, really because after, because after that, um, after that moment, when Melanie goes back in and she's like, like, no, we need to get the kids out now. The birds start attacking, and you know, and and to a modern audience, you know, that's used to seeing a whole bunch of CGI. You're used to seeing a man in an iron suit fly around. Yeah, I love that too. But at the same time, I can still appreciate. When a master filmmaker has ma- has put me on the edge of my seat, he didn't need a jump scare. He didn't need to have music to heighten it. He just had the atmosphere, and I think that that's that's what you that's what makes a, a really scary movie, um, or at the very least, a really scary scene. Um, which leads me to my next point. Um. What 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 movies what what tropes do people use nowadays that are um, that are making these successful movies? You know, I, I talked about The Conjuring before. I talked about Insidious. These are two different movies. 
Um, and yet both of them scare me. Uh, I can watch American Horror Story, especially like season two, which to me is the better one, um, the best season of all time. Um, I can watch that and be like, I am petrified of what is on screen and I am so scared about what's going to happen next. What scares you guys? Courtney, I know I know a lot of things scare you, but everything. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> literally everything on this planet. Is there, um, is there anything in particular like like, you know, when you see when you see it in like a scary movie, you're like, oh, yeah, like this. I, now I know this is going to be a good, scary movie. I mean, for me, if I see the elements that scare me in a scary movie, my reaction is, oh, no, I should not be watching this. <laughs> um, <laughs> So one of the biggest things that scares me is zombies. I cannot do any form of zombie media. There is an episode of Psych, the comedic detective show that (laughs) is about zombies. It took me, no joke, three tries to watch it. The zombie episode of Community, Mm. I had to watch with friends because when I tried to watch it on my own, I got too scared. I cannot Mm. do zombies. Anything with zombies scares me. Mm. So... Like, it could be the dumbest movie that has ever been made, and the zombies could literally be children with, like, a swatch of paint on their face, and I'm out. So, but for the purposes of this question, the things that really scare me on a fundamental level are things that frighten me in real life, too. So they aren't just movie tropes. Mm -hmm. So things like, I I delve into a lot of true crime as a person because I'm interested in it. So things like that really scare me. Like, I don't know if either of you have seen the movie, I believe it's called Hush, came out a few years ago. Hmm. And it's about a deaf woman who lives alone in the woods, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who was then terrorized by this sadistic psychopath who realizes she's deaf and is just messing with her because Mm -hmm. he knows she can't hear him come up. So he doesn't have to be quiet. He can just be there. It is the worst i cried through like half of it but that really scares me because as a young woman Uh there are times when i'm alone Mm -hmm. and there are Mm -hmm. times where i'm like that's a weird noise it's probably nothing but it could be that one person who's going to murder me Mm -hmm. so anytime a film really taps into that visceral fight or flight reaction in me so things that i am I have learned to be afraid of because the world is a horrible place full of murder. So things like when you are, one of the things that scares me the most um, is if you are alone in a room and there is a dark doorway and you look at the dark doorway and there's nothing there, it's fine. And then you turn away for a second and you turn again and there is someone there. Mm -hmm. Terrifies me. Yeah. Because that is something that could genuinely happen. If someone broke into your house, Mm -hmm. you would be like, Did I just hear that? No, it's nothing. You go back to brushing your teeth, you look over, and suddenly there's a stranger in your house. So for me, things that kind of play on that natural instinct to be afraid of my home being invaded, of people attacking me, things like that Mm -hmm. work. Like the final scene in Rear Window when um, Jimmy Stewart is just, he's in his wheelchair, he can't leave his apartment, and the killer now knows that he knows what's up. Where he's just using the flashbulbs. That scene, I saw it for the first time in high school, and I was very uncomfortable because I was like, oh no, the idea of just being trapped and knowing something bad is going to happen and there's nothing you can do to stop it. That gets me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So any kind of story that can play off of that where I'm reading it and I can put myself 
it, it's kind of like what Steven was saying earlier. The effective horror movie gives me a character that I like. An even more effective horror movie for me is a character that I can see myself in because then I have that reaction of, if this were happening to me, mm-hmm. this is how I would feel. Oh, no. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, yeah. Stephen, what about you? Um, I mean, I just think that, you know, offering something new is really, really key to anything. Something, um, I, Courtney, when you said you didn't like zombie movies, I agree. Um, I personally, I've just never really been a huge fan of them. They don't scare me, um, or anything. Uh, but the, um, I do like night of the living dead and it reminded me of, um, a reason why it's because it's, and it goes back to what I said earlier about how nothing should ever stay in just one genre. Um, it actually had a lot of social commentary, Mm -hmm. uh, for its time. Um, and, uh, you know, when you think about when the movie came out, you know, this was the sixties and you think, okay, civil rights era, it was one of the few movies that actually, you know, featured and starred a a black man as the lead, but didn't actually make the fat, you know, his skin color, you know, the subject, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. at all. He, you know, he could have easily been played by, uh, a white a white guy, but they didn't. And it was almost like the race, uh, the different races in that, um, in that film, it wasn't even an issue, mm-hmm. um, which was, would have been very unusual for films in that time. Um, so, you know, it, it really was ahead of its time in some ways. And I, I, I feel like, you know, if a, a horror movie's done well and it has something to say, I feel like that can help it. I feel like, um, you know, trying something new uh, is always, always a plus. I remember, like, when The Ring came out, that mm. movie, that was another movie that just, that movie, okay, that movie messed me up for literally <laughs> eight days exactly. You could um, you could not look at a little girl with long black hair TV the screen. same way again. Yeah, that, if yeah, it ever no. did anything fuzzy, you were like, oh, no, it's <laughs> oh, happening. Man. Throw the TV screen out the window. Literally, like three days later after watching that, I had a nosebleed and I was just like, oh God, it's happening. (laughs) It starts on day seven of not being able to sleep. It was just like, oh my God, it's just a movie. It's it's not real. And we did it. Woke up and then on day eight, I was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. What if it was like the timer started a day later? So I had a whole extra day of just not being able to sleep. Just in Um, case. But uh, you know. we did an episode. Sorry to interrupt. We did an episode about um, childhood fears. So we asked our friends and people who listen to the podcast to write to us with things that scared them as children. Mm-hmm. And um, a friend of ours co-hosted and hers was the ring. And I was like, how old were you when you saw it? And she was like, I don't know, 25. <laughs> and it just ruined her life. And she also did not sleep yeah. for a week afterwards because, you know, seven days. <laughs> yeah, no, the, um, well, I mean, and it was terrifying because at that point in time, you know, I think I was 14 when I saw it, uh, when it came out mm-hmm. and, um, you know, at that time, you know, most people in America hadn't seen a horror movie like that. Right. Um, 
which is, you know, explains why it freaked people out, I think. It was the same thing with The Exorcist. When that came out, you know, people hadn't really, you know, seen a film like that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, after those movies came out, there were half a million knockoffs. So when you see the creepy Korean water ghost genre, you kind of know what to expect. And it's right. like, oh, you know. <laughs> so I mean, Although I will um, say The Grudge did do did do it better. That was probably the best of the creepy little girl that yeah. just shows up because that, I mean, every time I heard like that, uh, like going around, like yeah. I, that just freaked me out, man. <laughs> and like, and like, oh, even, and what the worst part, the worst part about that movie, there's a part, do you guys remember? She shows up in the bed. Yeah, and I was like, "So now the bed's not even sacred anymore? What the heck, guys? <laughs> yeah. You can't just change the rules on me, okay? Everybody knows you go into the covers, you close your eyes, you can't get me. Now this little girl could just show up. <laughs> great, just great. Oh yeah, and you know, I've never really felt like the original Nightmare on Elm Street was a movie that you know scared me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a good movie. Um, it has a really good uh, lead actor, mm-hmm. and it has a really, uh, at least in the first movie, uh, really menacing villain. Mm-hmm. And it really attack. It's really one of those things that kind of works uh, for an after effect, you know, because it goes after the whole. Well, you have to go to bed sometime. <laughs> so it's like crap. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I think I don't know. I. Th- because, I mean, you know, there are different genres of horror. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm not really talking about, like, the, the splatter flicks that are very obviously just designed to have lots of blood and gut stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't do gore. Sasha does not do gore. Yeah. Even in Veronica, once she broke the mirror, Sasha has a thing about sharp objects and about blood. So once the mirror was broken, she's like, I'm just going to put my face in the pillow and you guys are going to tell me when it's okay to look again. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> No, um, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of blood and gut stuff, yeah. but, um, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I'd like to see, you know, a little bit more and, you know, not trying to, you know, keep bringing up my channel, but I really have studied a lot of, uh, horror techniques and experimented with different things. Um, and, uh, I, you know. So if y'all want to check that out, listeners at home, I actually have a playlist on my YouTube channel titled Horror Shorts, and you can check them all out. Some are horror comedy, some are just straight up horror, and Nightmare of the Masked Lady, of course, is somewhat autobiographical. I um, so yeah. I I mean I mean Stephen when I, when I and the reason why I keep bringing it up. Um, not just to give you free advertising on the show, but but I, which I appreciate, yeah. But I I play it this year in particular. I've played more of your horror movies in my class, and just to see their faces, like to see them, just watch. You know, there's there's a there's a couple of times, especially in Nightmare of the Masked Lady, where you don't necessarily have a um. Nothing happens. It's it's just the lead actress watching, waiting, 
mm-hmm. for long stretches of time, something happens, and then before you even get a chance to like really figure out, put like put two and two together, boom, she wakes up, and then it kind of resets itself. Um, and I feel like that is that's something that to me really keeps an audience engaged. I I love the the one trend that I've really appreciated is Thank the you. lack of um music cues mm-hmm. in horror. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that like with Veronica, like after a certain point, they stop the music. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and it's when they start the séance and that that's what makes it creepy. It's kind of, it, again, it's like the birds. You hear the singing, but the singing is a part of the scene. Um, we did, uh, at earlier this year, we did, uh, we did the play Turn of the Screw. Um, and it was a two person, it was a two, two person show. And one of the scarier scenes in the, in the show, there's no, I, I didn't want any sound effects. I didn't want any, lighting effects there's just one light so it's like really shadowy it's really dark and you're just watching this woman who has been losing it the entire play finally decide to kill this kid because she thinks the child's possessed and it is horrifying because i have i had one of my students she's just screaming and she's i'm like because we were in a black box so the audience was really close so i said i want you to reach out and i said if you can grab somebody i'm like grab them I'm like, because that, I'm like, that is, that's terrifying because you don't, because you, you as the audience now think to yourself, like, wait, is this, is the child like being possessed? Like this woman saying that they are, or is this woman actually killing this kid because she's crazy? Um, Right. Right. And it's, and it's just this. It's that idea. I'm not crazy. Of, You're crazy. Right. You know? Um, and it's just this idea of just that lack of musical cue that um that really, well, you know that really plays up the, the fear factor. Well, you know you know what that is, right? Hmm. Um with a musical cue, uh you're, you know, you're subconsciously attuned to the rhythm of the music mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it actually does offer a level of comfort. So it's almost like you can predict when, you know, the jump scare is going to come. But if mm-hmm. there's nothing to guide you with that, it's like, holy crap, mm-hmm. all bets are off. It could happen any time. Yeah. It could happen 10 seconds from now or 20 minutes from now. You don't mm-hmm. know. Um, so taking Which... away that comfort of uh, predictability is also, you know, it is good. If done correctly. Which is why, like, I think Paranormal Activity 1 was so successful. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it does have your dreaded shaky cam. Uh, <laughs> but but I I love I love the fact that, you know, there is, there are, there is no music in it whatsoever. Um, and I remember, Stephen, actually, we saw it together, didn't we? We sure did. Uh, and I remember leaving it, and we were, we were, I think we were both kind of like... That, that was, was another that was one of those great. movies that was kind of like, well... I'm going to have trouble sleeping tonight. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> every single, every time, because our, our house at the time had a, uh, oh God, it had like this really awful mm-hmm. uh, air system. Every time it would kick in, it'd make this loud boom. And then like, go, <laughs> it, it sounded possessed. So it's just like, <laughs> oh my God, I have to get up. I have to go teach in the morning. <laughs> it's awful. 
Courtney, uh, when if you ever if you ever want to hear some really, they're not necessarily, I guess, like they're kind of scary. But then when like when it's all said and done, you find out that they were just pranks. Steve and I could tell you a couple of really good, somewhat scary, but mainly funny stories of our, oh, yes. what was it, junior year of college? That, cause it, cause junior year. That was the year uh, we decided to be ghost hunters <laughs> instead oh. of students. <laughs> that was the year Marcus and co. decided to be ghost hunters. <laughs> yes, and Steven, Steven just decided. I was just along to... <laughs> for the ride. It's <laughs> like, sounds fun. Indeed, that sounds indeed. Sounds great. Yes. Um, <laughs> just to give y'all, just to give y'all a taste, uh, one story ends with uh, roommates pa- uh, pacing back and forth, almost in tears, going, "Oh God, oh geez, we never should have gone to the bridge. Oh God, no!" <laughs> yeah, That's we almost had to have story. an exorcism in the in the house because. <laughs> See, this is why our third roommate will not let us bring a Ouija board into our house. She's like, I know you guys have a podcast. I know this is what your podcast is about. Mm. I don't want that in my house. <laughs> so I, it is, we're not allowed to do it in the house. I have to say, I I would definitely agree. I, I do not play with Ouija boards. There, there's a Ouija, the Ouija board that I talked about earlier in the episode with my mom. It's actually still at their house. Um, oh, nice. Uh, Sasha has one from her grandparents, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's been in the family for generations. Right. <laughs> Super haunted. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. I have a thing Scrabble. How long has that been in your family? About two years. <laughs> Ooh, so it's super haunted. It's like it's new. John it's... Mulaney has John Mulaney has a joke about hunting for houses, and he's talking about how one of the houses they look at is from the 1920s, but it was recently moder- modernized. So it's like that means that it's super haunted, but also it has a lovely kitchen backsplash. <laughs> <laughs> there was one. There was one community. I I feel like it was. I feel like it was John Mulaney as well. But he said. um no, it was uh, Aziz Ansari, and he talks about um. What's the Wi-Fi password? Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "Modern ghosts are gonna be real fun." <laughs> he's like, "It's just gonna be a ghost in the corner texting." Boo. Sasha and I have an agreement that if one of us dies, the other one has to prove that ghosts are real, like. Because she's a hundred percent on ghosts. I'm iffy. I'm like, if you were to die, you could come by and be like. Hey, ghosts are real. Bye. <laughs> that would be fine. I don't want anything scary. I just want like confirmed proof. And then I'm on board. <laughs> None of this chain rattling. Just come right. by, say hey, and then disappear. It's no right. big deal. Get the Wi Fi password and dip. everybody be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Respect oh. the sanctity of the head under the blankets. Right. <laughs> don't be. Don't be like the grudge ghost. <laughs> don't exactly. don't show up underneath the covers. <laughs> Terry Pratchett does have a recurring joke in his books that I love that um, if you put the blanket over the boogeyman's head, he has an existential crisis because everybody knows when you put the blanket over your head, the boogeyman stops existing. So when you put it over the boogeyman's head, he thinks he stops existing <laughs> and it just throws him into existential crisis and he can't scare yeah. you anymore. <laughs> it's just logic. Right. Uh, That's logical. Well, everyone, I've had a lovely time 
being scared out of my mind talking about all things scary. <laughs> um, <laughs> I Too am... late at night for horror movies. The sun has gone down. Everything is garbage. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> but in all, in all seriousness, Courtney, we uh, thank you for, for being on the show and um, laughing with us and, and talking movies with us. Uh, Thanks for having me and for forcing us to watch a horror movie, even though we survived. Oh, so, it's... thank you for that. <laughs> oh, it's no problem. This has been really fun. I'm sure Sasha is salty that she suffered through a horror movie and doesn't even get to talk about it. Right? <laughs> She's like, I don't even get but... to share my thoughts. No. Yeah. Uh, before yeah. she left the house today, I was like, okay, tell me everything that you want me to bring up. And she's like, these are the big three. So we're good. <laughs> Although I did, I forgot to mention at one point we were watching and she goes, I really like Veronica's outfit. And I look over at her and I go, you're pretty much wearing it now. So I hope you like it. <laughs> she's like, that's why I like it. <laughs> she's like, I mean, I just like that 90s grunge style with the little jacket right. and the black shirt. <laughs> it's a so great yeah, style. thanks for... Thanks for having me on and for yeah. letting me talk about not just horror things. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Courtney, where where can the folks at home, where can they reach you if they have any more thoughts or questions? And where can they listen to the Spoop Hour? Well, if you have thoughts, questions, or spooky stories of your own about any ghosts you may have experienced, any run-ins with the Jersey Devil, whatever, go ahead and email spoophour at gmail.com. That's S P is in Penguin, O O P is in Penguin, hour at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Spoop Hour with the same spelling there. And we are pretty much everywhere you get podcasts our main home is podbean but we are on apple podcasts we're on spotify we're all over the place so if you feel like listening to us nervously laugh while we tell each other spooky stories (laughs) then spoop hour is the place for you (laughs) very nice and audience please please go uh support spoop hour they've got a great show um they tell great stories, and they're just wonder- They're Thank just you. wonderful people in general. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. We think so. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, where can the folks at home? Uh, where can they reach you, man? Uh, well, definitely, definitely, definitely check out Bailey's Film Workshop on YouTube. You have a uh, YouTube channel? I sure do. You should have mentioned and... it at some point over this episode. <laughs> oh man, missed opportunity. This would have been What's a great it about? time to do that. Well. It's got a lot of my film work and uh, currently uh, some advertising for the upcoming animated film. But since we just got done talking about horror films, definitely be sure to check out the playlist called Horror Shorts. It's got uh, all my horror films, all my horror shorts in there. Some good, some bad, and one really, really good one called Nightmare of the Masked Lady. You should check that one out. It has over 1,200 views. You should probably share it. (laughs) <laughs> and of course folks at home you can always reach me at uh popcorn prattle p-o-p-c-r-o-n underscore prattle p-r-a-t-t-l-e you can also hit me up on that twitter though uh at mark m-a-r-c underscore leroy l-a-r-o-y uh you can also find me on facebook and you can always uh, email us at popcornprattle at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up on YouTube. Hit us up on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more like it, uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to us wherever fine podcasts are consumed. Um, oh, and also don't forget, uh, 
tonight, when this episode airs on Sunday, uh, you guys have only a few hours left to vote in our March Movie Madness Tournament. Um, I know, March will have already been over by now when you guys are listening to this, but the tournament isn't over yet. It ends at midnight. Uh, so go vote. Uh, let us know what movie pick that uh, is going to win this entire tournament. And I guess next time, Lindley will tell us uh, what she chooses for next year's stipulation so we can start planning. Or or she'll just wait until next uh, next February and then tell us. I don't know. Hopefully she won't be that cruel and unusual because that will make me sad. But anyways uh guys i think i have hit everything that we were supposed to so audience i leave you with this from all of us all of you we wish you peace love and tranquility you all take care now